If we're constantly habituated to get what we want when we want it, the second that life doesn't cooperate or a person doesn't cooperate or a boss doesn't cooperate or a church doesn't cooperate or God doesn't cooperate, we freak out and throw an adult temper tantrum because we've not been habituated through practices like fasting to not get what we want, in that case food, in order to be happy. And we're okay. We don't need to get what we want and we can be free. Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco. Each week we share a conversation between Daniel and a special guest. At some point, everyone, regardless of age, struggles with impatience, and our culture feeds right into this. Today, Pastor Daniel is joined by pastor and author John Mark Comer to talk about the benefits of a slower life. They discuss how the practice of spiritual disciplines like fasting helps you grow in contentment. Now here's Pastor Daniel and John Mark Comer with the Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. You can summarize the entire spiritual journey with the word self-denial or death to self. And so increasingly, I think it's about what are the invitations of Jesus to me today and in this season, and how do I die to self and let go and surrender and trust to Jesus and just increasingly grow in my yieldedness and the turning over of my will to the will of God, who then amplifies the power that I have to do what he's called me to do. So increasingly, I'm just thinking about it through that lens, Daniel, like, what are the invitations of Jesus right now? And they're most likely going not going to be less invitations to go out and do something and climb the ladder of success and more invitations to surrender to what some have called the spirituality of descent to the cross, to death, to self, to the cruciform way, to going against the American inertia of upward mobility and up and to the right and descending into the path of the cross which at first glance looks just like suffering and self-denial and turns out to be the path to freedom, liberation, joy, and peace. Well, and I love what you're saying. And I think that for all of you who are listening or watching this right now, or wherever you are, I know that when you're hearing what, what John Mark is saying, it sounds like, oh my gosh, like this is risky. But I, I don't want to speak for John Mark, but I would tell you that, you know, there's also a risk by not saying yes, yes to those invitations. The, the, like the risk, it feels like it will be less risky to take that that way of descent, you know, the, you know, the upward way of downward mobility, I think is the way Henri Nguyen spoke of it. You know, um, it, it feels risky, but I'm here to tell you, if you don't say yes to Jesus, there are greater risks, you know, yes. and, and, and you end up in places that you don't want to be because Jesus never wanted you to be there. Just going to agree and say, you know, this is why, you know, in our tradition, the center of everything is faith. Like the great myth that Western people believe is that faith is a religious thing. Faith is not a Christian thing. It's not a religious thing. Faith is a human thing. We all live by faith. The question is not, do you live by faith? It's who or what do you put your faith in? 
is it Jesus and his teachings as they come to us in the New Testament? Or is it this scientist or that professor or this ideology or this political party or this self-help teacher or this socioeconomic, whatever? The question is, we're all trying to get to this destination we've never been to. Call it the good life, call it happiness, call it flourishing, wholeness, whatever. We're all trying to get there. And we've not been there. So we have to rely upon a guide and a map to go there. The problem is, we have, that means we, and there's lots of different guides who are offering a map saying, this is the way to the life that you want. We all basically want the same thing. We want to be happy. We want to be good people. We want to have meaningful relationships. We want our suffering to have meaning. We want to have life after death if it's a possibility. We want to be right with God. If there's, We all want the base. We want to be good people of virtue and ethics. We want to be free of addiction and fear and anxiety and hate and anger and prejudice. Most of us want the same basic constellation of things. The question is, what's the path to get there? How do we have to walk a path? We're not those kind of people. How do we become those kind of people? How do we get to that life? And there's lots of different so-called guides saying, I know the way, here's the map to get there. And the question is, which guide are you going to trust? Um, is it Buddha? Is it Steven Pinker? Is it Sam Harris? Is it Joe Biden? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Jesus of Nazareth? And I'm choosing to put my trust in a teacher and a luminary who came back from the dead. And I believe there are good historical reasons to believe that. And I'm with a couple other, a billion people around the world and down through history who have found Jesus, not just as savior, but as teacher and as to be the most wise, intelligent, true guide to the good life in all of human history. And so is it risky to put my entire future? Yeah, at some level, I, this could be wrong. I could be out to lunch. Jesus could be a figment of my imagination. I really don't think that is true. And all of my experience points in the opposite direction. But you know what? We have to follow somebody. And I cannot think, it's like the Peter line in those moments of doubt. Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. I mean, who else am I going to follow? I have to follow somebody. So I find deep joy and confidence in following Jesus. Amen. So, so let's switch gears a little bit to your most recent book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And for me, you know, uh, and I, right as your book came out, I, you know, I texted you, I was on vacation, I was reading it. And, you know, oh, if there was ever a so book kind. that kind of landed right at the right, it's like the right message at the right time. And, and God's yeah. really has been using the book. He is using the book. You know, talk a little bit about the the birthing of that book. What what was going on in your life? Obviously, you know, and you'll talk about it. it's a it's a quote from Dallas Willard that was you know that uh, John Ortberg had spoken about. It's on the refrigerator yes. in in his house uh, at, at Dallas's house when when before Dallas went home to be with, with the Lord. But really, like it, it was such a timely book, like it was just the right book at the right time, delivered it you know in, in a way that only you could do. But it just it just it landed. So talk a little bit about like what brought you to write the book and 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 how God is using these concepts still in, in your life right now. Yeah, I mean the book is the entire book is built around that beautiful axiom from the philosopher Dallas Willard, who has played a key role in my kind of formation as a thinker and person and disciple of Jesus, where he said to a mentee of his, John Ortberg you must ruthlessly eliminate, he called hurry the great enemy of spiritual life in our day and said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And yes, upon his death, he literally had that 
written up and put on his refrigerator in his house. I've been there. It's a, it's a very simple, modest home. And um, for him, hurry and learning to slow his mind and body down to the pace of Jesus was central to discipleship, spiritual formation, wholeness, whatever you want to call that. And I came across that saying at a time in my life when I was in a very bad way by external metrics, things were going great. I was leading a very large church. It was doing good. I was writing books by not just internal metrics, by the metrics of Jesus and the kingdom of God, things were trending in all of the wrong directions. You know, um, if you set aside the American metrics of kind of bigger, better, and you replace them with the metrics of Jesus. Let's just start with the very basic trifecta from the New Testament of love and joy and peace. Year over year, I was not becoming more loving, more joyful, and more at peace. I was trending in the exact opposite direction, becoming more grouchy, irritable, angry, uh, indignant, contemptuous, and you know, shallow in my relationships with people that I love. And so I was just aware that something was off about the way that I was living and following Jesus. I just could not put my finger on it. You ever been in that experience where you're like, I know I'm doing something wrong, but I'm not sure what it is. I don't know exactly what the problem is. Therefore, I have no clue what the solution is. And when I read that or came across that idea that hurry, the great enemy of spiritual life in our day, that alone like shocked me. I'm in this crazy, progressive, secular city lots of great enemies of spiritual life in my city. I would not have even put hurry on the top 10, you know, much less than the top spot. And that was, that was like, whoa, wait, are you out of your mind? Really? And this wasn't some like, you know, person out in conservative, whatever. This was a philosopher at a secular university in the halls of secularism who said, no, the actual greatest threat to our faith right now is hurry, it's speed, it's over busyness and exhaustion and distraction. And then this idea, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry. It was just, oh man, Fusco, it just hit me at this like deep tuning fork, spirit to spirit level. And it honestly was kind of a little bit of a before after turning point, why in the road for my life path. Yeah. And and it, it's such a powerful concept. I'll, I'll tell you a story. So after I read, I read the book, you know, there's one of the practices that you called slowing. You know, yes. and, and, yeah. and, and, and I'll never forget because one of the encouragements is like, when you're in a slow line at the grocery store, don't move to the faster line. So like, I'm literally in the grocery store after reading the book and I'm on this, <laughs> there's like a line and I'm like sitting, standing on the line and the, and the line that's like two aisles over, there's nobody in the line. And I'm like five people back and I'm standing there and I'm like, <laughs> Now I'm from New Jersey. So it's like, so like New Jer everyone in New Jersey is just like, man, move, 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 move. You yes. know? And so I'm like, I'm just standing there and I'm just like looking around and, and like the person at the checkout's like looking at me, like, like, you know, kind of with the invitation, like, Hey, do you want to come? I'm just like kind of standing there. And then finally I'm like, what am I doing? What is John Mark telling me to do? And like, oh, I ran over there and I checked out and I walked outside. Shame on you. I started laughing oh. and I'm like, and I'm like, that was a really powerful thing because normally I'm the guy in the line where I'm just like, okay, which one's the yep. fastest? Like, how do I just get through yep. the line? And I realized how hurried, like, and I always, I never thought that I wasn't hurried, you know, but I realized how it's like, it actually, for me, it was like a, both a source of pride and an anxiety. Yes. Like I, like I and, caught myself then, being anxious. And the problem is when you're constantly getting in the quickest line and do the quickest thing, you habituate your body to expect the world at a certain pace. 
And then when the world doesn't cooperate or your spouse doesn't cooperate or your child doesn't cooperate or your body doesn't cooperate or your church doesn't cooperate, you freak out. So like a lot, you know, Richard Foster would say of the spiritual discipline of the practice of fasting, that one of the many reasons that you fast on a regular basis as a Christian is to deny your body what it wants of your own free will so that when you are denied of what you want against your will, you can accept it with poise, grace, gratitude, and peace. Because if we're constantly habituated to get what we want when we want it, the second that life doesn't cooperate, or a person doesn't cooperate, or a boss doesn't cooperate, or a church doesn't cooperate, or God doesn't cooperate, we freak out and throw an adult temper tantrum because we've not been habituated through practices like fasting to not get what we want, in that case, food, in order to be happy. And we're okay. We don't need to get what we want and we can be free. Like that's the difference between happiness and pleasure, which is the great, you know, at a neurobiological level, it's the difference between serotonin and dopamine. Pleasure is about getting what you want and feeling good. Happiness in the classical definition is about free, being free from the desire of want and being content with what you have and who you are. So the ancients saw happiness and contentment as synonyms and happiness and pleasure as if not opposites, as least as different ideas. And it's not that pleasure is bad. It's that pleasure often results, too much pleasure results in addiction. Too much contentment results in happiness. And so, you know, fasting is a discipline where we, we, we choose to not give ourselves what we want so that when somebody else chooses to not give us what we want, we're still okay. I think the spiritual discipline or the practice of slowing is similar. Of our own free will, we choose to make ourselves feel bored or wasting time, agitated, you know, whether that's by driving the slow lane or getting in the slow line or my practice right now is I'm trying to have my phone completely gone when I'm driving, no music and no radio. I just drive in silence without anything else. I hate it. It drives me nuts. I feel like I'm just wasting that time. But I'm trying to do that to rehabituate my body after the, the adrenaline rush of COVID leadership to back to the pace that it needs to live that type of thing so that when life throws an interruption or a pause or a delay in me and I'm stuck, whether it's in traffic or I can't get what I want or I can't do what I want when I want to do it. Can I, can I still be happy? Can I be content? Can I be at peace while I'm waiting when I don't get what I want? That's the real task. And that's the real vision behind the practice or the spiritual discipline of slowing. Well, and, and just so you know, and, and I know everyone who's listening to this, if you haven't read The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, you got to go get it. You got you to listen to it uh, with you audible or read it. But this idea that every day is a day to practice, yeah, you know, uh, and so, and I, and I know that like, you know, just recently you've, you've made some big announcements about some changes and, and steps that you're taking in that. So I want you to share that with, with the people on the podcast about, you know, this, you know, cause it's a passion of yours and, it, and it's, yeah. there's, there's the, this idea of practicing the way of Jesus. So talk about that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the short version is I'm after 18 years at our church, I am stepping down this coming fall from the role of pastor for preaching and fishing. We are not planning on leaving our church, but we are stepping off staff in order to start a new nonprofit called Practicing the Way, which is based on a five-year kind of journey that we've gone on as church around kind of discipleship or spiritual formation, which for me are interchangeable terms. 
And it's basically an attempt to create resources for discipleship for local churches in contexts like ours, which are increasingly secular and increasingly progressive, you know, different for everybody, but increasingly that way across the kind of Western world at a very broad level. And yeah, I just have a deep passion to, Jesus said, we are to teach, you know, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is similar to what I think evangelicals would call evangelism. And then he said, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. For years, I misread that. I'm a, I'm a teacher, kind of like by training and by calling. And I, I, was, I had this like out-of-body experience once when I was actually teaching Matthew 28, the Great Commission. When it hit me as I was teaching that I'm not, that I don't do what it's saying to do. I teach people what Jesus has commanded them, not to obey what Jesus has commanded them. And I realized, whoa, that's not the same thing. Teaching people, Philippians chapter four, be anxious for nothing. Here's what the text says. Here's what it means is different than teaching people how to become the kind of people who, like Jesus, are free of anxiety. And you know what I mean? And I realized, oh, I was teaching people what to do, not how to do it. What Jesus commanded, not how to obey what Jesus commanded. And so a lot of the work of practicing the way, it won't be content-driven. It won't be Bible teaching per se, though we'll have Bible in it all through it. But it will be teaching people the pra- the how of discipleship, the practices from 2,000 years of church history, all of which are based on the life and the teachings of Jesus himself as it come to us through the four Gospels, that enable us to become the kinds of people who have the capacity to obey Jesus. So these would be some of the classical, quote, spiritual disciplines like Sabbath and prayer and fasting and silence and solitude and community and simplicity. And then other kind of more, not so much practices in the spiritual discipline sense, but more kind of principles and patterns from the kingdom of God about kind of self-awareness and discovering who you are and dealing with your past and learning to overcome your flesh and forgiving people that have wronged you. And um, a lot of those kind of ideas that are just central to kind of becoming the kind of people who naturally obey Jesus because it's the natural outgrowth of your inner woman or man. It's just who you become. And it would be easier to obey Jesus than to disobey him, to trust God than to worry, to speak a word of blessing than a word of criticism, to honor a woman than to objectify her of lust. That's easier because you've been so formed at the inner, deepest part of who you are, that fulcrum of who you are, by apprenticeship to Jesus, that you're just now living out of the inner self of who God's made you to be. That's where we want to get to. And I just want to help people get there. So good. (laughs) Amen, right? There's nothing better than getting to research and write and teach on the things like, hey, I need this the most, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, follow your ache. Totally. So, so, okay. So two final questions as we close this out. First, in this specific cultural moment, what is maybe one thing that you're like, if I could get the ear of all of the people who call themselves by the name of Jesus, if there's one thing right now that you're like, I just wish that my brothers and sisters in Christ would really 
focus on this other than just focus on Jesus. But you know what I mean? Like, like this, this is something that's super important in this cultural moment so that the church can be revived to be salt and light in our community, in our world. What would that be right now? Um, can I say two things? Totally. One, I would ask you to seriously and prayerfully consider completely, if you're on it, completely getting off all social media. And if you're on it, only using it basically for only be on there if you need to be there for work and use it for bare minimum. I think it's one of the most dehumanizing, deformative and destructive aspects of modern culture. And I think there's pros to it for sure, but I think the cons far outweigh the pros. Secondly, in particular, I'm thinking of millennials here. Some of you, in particular, who are older. This will already be very. This will be a. You'll start you already doing this, but in particular for millennials or Gen X, recapture one of the best things that the evangelical tradition gave to the world was a morning quiet time. Recapture the practice of waking up and first thing upon waking before you even look at your phone, spending time in slow, prayerful reading of scripture, and in quietly sitting with God and listening to his voice and experiencing his love. And begin your day from that inner, emotional, spiritual anchor point of calm, serenity, and abiding in the vine, and live your whole life as much as you can out of that place. So good. So good. So if people want to find... You, the book, all the stuff, practicing the way, where do people go on the internet if they haven't taken your advice to get off social media and they're still on there now and they want to like find you all, where do people find you? Um, You can either go to just my name, johnmarkcomer.com and I I do have some kind of just work stuff in social media. You can follow me there or I have an email subscriber list that you can sign up for and I don't do very much with it, but that's a easier way to stay in touch with my work without social media. And then um, practicingtheway.org is a site that we've kind of put together. We're going to take the whole site down and relaunch the entire thing next year with high quality kind of digital practices, resources, courses for churches to run or individuals to go through. That's at least a year out, but there is a a kind of placeholder there now at practicingtheway.org. So good. Well, John Mark, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. I just appreciate you so much, bro, and grateful for you. Thanks, man. Same to you and peace to you. May we see each other in a post-COVID world set in faith. So good. So all of you who are listening and watching, God bless you all. Thanks for joining me on the Crazy Happy Podcast. Listen, do yourself a favor. Get off social media, have a quiet time with Jesus, and then live out and sprinkle a little happiness In Jesus' name, everywhere you go and the world will slowly be blossoming and growing and people will be blessed and God will be glorified. God bless you all. Thanks so much. Amen. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel closed out today's conversation with John Mark Comer by asking him to share some practical advice to help the church be salt and light in the world in this cultural moment. John Mark challenged you to get off all social media except what's necessary for work, saying that the costs of it far outweigh the benefits. 
You are also encouraged to spend the first moments of your day in an intentional quiet time, reading the Bible and talking to God. This will give you the anchor point you need to walk through your day abiding in the Lord. We'll have a preview of next week's episode in just a moment. Thanks for listening to the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco and author and journalist Billy Hallowell. Each week you'll hear discussion on important topics that affect your life now. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and get notified each time we post a new edition of the show. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Now, here's Josh. We're so glad that you joined us for these special Friday editions of Jesus Is Real Radio. Pastor Daniel has had conversations with so many amazing people who share their insight into how to better live out the crazy happy life that God wants us all to live. We pray that you've been inspired to say yes to Jesus and go after the crazy happy life with him. Well, that's all we have time for on this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco. Be sure to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.